I'm going to share a message today which, um, whilst not centered around the actual work of Jesus on the cross, and like in terms of we're not speaking of that, it's very much interwoven with what Jesus did on the cross because without what Jesus did on the cross, this message would not be possible. So what I'm going to share is absolutely um, stands on the shoulders of what Jesus was going to do by going to the cross. But it's a story that Jesus shared, and I want us to, to dive into this story and get a truth and an understanding that will help us today and then help us on how we approach living in this resurrection life. So it's from Luke chapter 15. And I want us to, to look at a, a parable or a story that Jesus shared. Jesus would share stories that had some sort of moral point to them, some sort of something he was trying to get across. And the whole of chapter 15, which is 32 verses, so it was, you know, it's, a, it's a decent passage, is actually the telling of three stories all related to each other. One story after another, one, two, three. He, stole, he, he, he told the story of a lost sheep. He told the story of a lost coin. And then he's told the story, which has become known as the prodigal son story. You might be familiar with it. You might not. You might not have heard that, but the prodigal son. For years, actually, I thought the word prodigal meant someone that went away and came back. A prodigal was someone who you know, went, went astray and was brought back. And I, I, it was only just recently I discovered the word prodigal doesn't mean that. Who would have thought that the word prodigal, put up your hand if you're like me, you think the word prodigal means someone who goes astray and comes back. That's actually not the word, of, the prodigal doesn't mean that. I, I, I can see why I was confused, because everyone's confused. The word prodigal means wasteful. That's an English word, it means wasteful. And I'm like, oh, I, <laughs> that makes sense too. The wasteful son. But we've sort of, it, it's become so synonymous with gone astray and come back, it's almost got a new meaning. So we talk about the prodigal has returned. Even if they haven't been wasteful, <laughs> we call them the prodigal. So anyway, the prodigal son was the wasteful son, but he did return. But he built on this story by not just talking about um, the sheep. In the first one, there was 100 sheep. One gets lost. The shepherd leaves the 99 in a secure place where he goes and finds the one, comes back and he says to all his friends, let's celebrate that which was lost has been found and they all have a party. Then there's the woman, he says, there's a woman and she's got 10 special coins and she looks and suddenly there's only nine and she's distraught so she searches the whole house, cleans it down until she finds her special coin again and goes and gets all the neighbors and said, I, I'd lost the coin, now it's been found, let's celebrate. And then he says, well, I'll, I'll tell you a longer story. And it's about a son, but then the, there's actually two sons. So it's like there's you know, the, it's like two sheep or two coins. He sort of opened it up a little bit. He gets a little bit more detail. He dives into it. And so not only are we looking at the son that was effectively lost, but the son that was at home. So it would be like looking at the coin that was still in the box or the sheep that was still in the, the 99 and looking at through their eyes, and they become a key part. The interesting thing about parables, you've got to understand, parables were the movies of their day. This was how you, you told things. You would tell a story. People would imagine it. They could see it. It's, they didn't have cinemas to go to. This was 
This is how you'd, you'd use your words. Um, some of the younger people might need to have this explained to them. You didn't have a device that you could look at. You would just hear and you would imagine. It's pretty powerful stuff, the old imagination. Um, sadly, our, you know, kids these days don't need to imagine because you can... Could you imagine this? I don't need to. I can see it. Anyway, they had to imagine. And so he would tell a story, and, and the, the, the power of parables is that he was trying to tell a particular story and get across a particular point, and parables are designed often to sort of strike at something and expose something. They're, um, you can't, you've got to be careful when you're looking at a parable. You can't sort of make sense of everything because that's not the point. The point's not to make sense of everything. There's a key point. There's, a, there's something at the root of it, and that's the one you've really got to go for. Don't get, don't get sidetracked with lots of things. And it's this key point, and often the key point will come from the side and you know, blindside you a little bit. You didn't see it coming. I watched a movie yesterday. The family were just taking a very easy day. And I was sitting there, and I was by myself. The family sort of in the, you know, doing dull things. And I found a movie from the 1950s. I thought, this has got to be good because, you know, often they're cleaner, nicer, a bit more classic. Never heard of it before. Probably know why now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert, if anyone else wants to see it, I'm not going to give you the title because I can't remember the title. Not that memorable. And um, the 1950s, black and white, and it's a, a movie about a, a, um, it's a war movie. After the First World War, so in the 50s, uh, a destroyer, American destroyers, going around hunting for Russian submarines. All right, but they're not at war, so it can't attack them. They just want to know where they are and keep, you know. So it's all the Cold War type tension. So this destroyer going through this ice floe, trying to track this. So lots of tension, and the captain's a mean old thing, and he'll just do anything to, you know, get this. And he finds the submarine, and he's like, "Oh, can we, you know, in not in international waters? It's it's it's." where it shouldn't be, can I intercept it, make it surface, and he gets this word, no, tensions are a bit high at the moment, don't do anything like this, so he's taping at the bit, ah, I want and then it moves into international waters, will he follow it, will he, no, it's all the tension, and so I move, so I'm getting invested in this mean old captain and people on the ship and how he's treating them, and, all that. and then the last about three minutes of the movie was so disappointing, I'm like, They've, 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 they've wounded me. <laughs> you know how a story, how does, how does it finish? It finishes, and uh, it finishes by he gets the submarine so rattled, you know, it's under so much pressure because he's doing all this. And then he gets his, one of his chief officers so rattled because he's been so nasty to him. They lock their missiles on the submarine in case the, the submarine fires on them. And in doing the locking, he confuses the guy and he sets off the, the, the missiles and fires it at the submarine. And at the last minute, the captain seeks to disarm the missile. So it's like, oh, he's fired on this submarine. It wasn't actually doing anything wrong. And you're waiting, waiting, waiting. And has he disarmed it in time? Has he disarmed it in time? It's, and then the submarine blows up. Oh, oh that's nasty. <laughs> And then they find out when they, as they fired, the submarine saw it, so it fired a nuclear torpedo back at the ship. And it's like, take evasive action. And they get hit and the ship gets blown up. <laughs> That's the end of the movie. 
<laughs> That's not how it ends. That's not how it ends. No one wins. It's a terrible ending. He killed this whole submarine that didn't weren't doing anything wrong. And then they blew them up. All this and then the movie just finished with the with the mushroom cloud. Fades at the end. I'm like, what? <laughs> what have you done to me? <laughs> so have you ever been invested in a movie that went the wrong way? <laughs> I have I've had to counsel Christine through a movie once when she came home. She went to see a movie and the couple didn't get together. <laughs> she was just it was just so wrong. We had to go through the rants and the just not right. How could this happen? How could they do it? They set us up and then, you know, you know how it works. End of movie. Moved on with their lives. It was like, no. So parables are a story. Now, I'm upset because that wasn't a, it, was a, it was a fictional story. It's not based on a true story. So they had all the license. They could make it finish any way they wanted. And they chose to blow them both up. What's wrong with these people? <laughs> so when it's a fictional story, you, you get invested because you can make it finish the way you want. So parables, Jesus would set them up, telling them a story, and they would have an expected way that it's going to go. And then he would come and blindside them and hit them from the side. And they're like, what? And he's like, exactly. I've exposed it. I, I've got you so invested, you've opened your heart and mind, and I've impacted you. I, I've, I've opened you up. So I want you to look at this parable through the eyes of someone who is not just listening and waiting to see how it unfolds, but listening, expecting it to go a certain way with a certain amount, you know, and because and, it's like, we, this is how it should happen. Um, one of our children, I um, won't name them, Brooke. Ah, oh, I did name them, sorry. No, she had an imaginary family. <laughs> it's a lot better than our family, apparently. How many, how many kids were there in that family? 37 kids. <laughs> 37 kids in her imaginary family with 37 parents. Anyway, one of them was, yeah, yeah, it was only a few days ago. No, she was was very little. And um, she had one of them was a, what was the name? Kenner. Kenner. Kenner took on a life. You know, Kenner does everything. I'm over with Brooke. Brooke's playing on a playground, and she gets to the top of the slide. There's no one else on the slide. No, no one at the playground. With just me and Brooke. None of the other kids, no other families. And she gets it, and she's sobbing. She's sobbing at the top of the slide. I'm like, Brooke, what is the matter? She goes, Kenna won't let me go down the slide first. <laughs> I'm like, what? Kenna keeps pushing it. She goes, she won't let me go first. She's sobbing. She's heartbroken. I'm like, she's your imaginary friend. Just imagine her letting you go first. How hard is that? <laughs> You're totally in control of this situation, Brooke. <laughs> but she was just, just I, I know, she was broken at the nastiness of Kenna. Like, oh. You're in charge. 
fit that clip kind of fall off the slide. Do whatever you want. Just <laughs> you can make it happen. So I want you to see that you're, you know, like from the mind of uh, we're in charge. This is this is something we 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 see how this is going to work, see how it's going to happen, and then we get we're all going to get blindsided. So this parable involves two people. Or two, you know, two sons and the father. They're the, they're the three main characters. There's others. It's got quite a cast. It's got slaves. It's got people from the city. It's got um, a fattened calf. We won't tell you how the fattened calf ends. But um, let's read it together. Luke 15. And verse 11. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. And he divided his wealth between them. Um, now, we've got to, okay, who's the main person? Who's, who's the critics listening to? Who's he's aimed at? Okay, I, I will go back this, this a little bit. Chapter, one, uh, chapter 15, verse 1. This is why he told these stories. It gives you a big clue what he's aiming at here. It says, Now all the tax gatherers and the sinners were coming near him to listen to him. All right, and both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Oh, this is terrible. So, who were these people that were sewing up, setting them? They're called tax gatherers and sinners. Tax gatherers is like, I apologize to anyone who works at the tax office nowadays. It's like, you're the worst of the worst in the Bible. There you go. So, you know. But obviously, you know, that's, they're not like our tax office. If you work at the tax office, it's not a sin. Close, but it's not a sin. No, you, you, it's just, it's, it, we, a tax gatherer in those days was someone that basically worked underneath the Roman government to put taxes on people and, and work them through. And so Matthew, who wrote the book of Matthew, also known as Levi, he was a tax gatherer. And Jesus came to him and said, how about you follow me? And um, to us, it would be like, oh, okay, he's gone to just someone who works in the office. No, no, this is... So the, the Jews despised these people because they basically were... They would use their position, not just to gather the taxes, but to line their own pockets. It was a really shady place. And the Romans didn't care as long as they got their money. And they just let these people lean on people and they would overcharge for things and they'd take bribes and they'd do everything. And all making it hard for the Jews whilst gathering taxes for our oppressors so it was like it was. These were these were people who were betraying us. These were people greedy, treasonous people. They were not liked. And so, Jesus went to a tax gatherer, and said, "Come and follow me." And Matthew said, "I will. I'll follow you." That's one of the keys about this. Um, a lot of people said Jesus was friends with them, but he just didn't go and say, oh, "I'm I'm your buddy. I know everyone else doesn't like you, but I like you." He actually said, come and follow me, turn and follow me. And then they had another name, which just meant the people that the good Jews didn't like, who didn't follow the law, they were just uncouth, they were sinners. So they would just have this big phrase called the sinners. So Jesus attracted him, tax gatherers and sinners. But he just didn't attract them to, he didn't say, he, because some people say, well, see, Jesus was friendly with everybody. Um, he actually called them 
and he summons them, and then he called them to repent and follow him. Um, it's, well, I'm going back. Another verse to explain the verse that I'm explaining what I'm going to do. But I think this is as far back as we'll go. I think. Luke chapter 5, verse 27. And says, after that, Jesus went out and noticed a tax gatherer named Levi, also known, um, we know his name was Matthew also from um, the book of Matthew. He was sitting in the tax office. Uh, and, and when we say tax office, it was a booth, not, not in you know, some office. A bit of a wrong impression there. And he said to Matthew, to Levi, follow me. And Levi left everything behind, rose and began to follow Jesus. So he, he said, I'm changing the way I'm doing things. And then Levi, verse 29, gave a big reception, a big party for him in the, his house. Considering we're going to look at another party, this, is, this it works here. And there was a great crowd of tax gatherers and other people who were reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes began grumbling. Remember they grumbled in chapter 15? They're grumbling here. They, they just like to grumble. They, they know how movies should end. The Pharisees know how it should go, and they get pretty annoyed. They're real critics of these movies. This is how it should end. This is how it should finish. I know what should happen here. This is wrong. This is the wrong script. Jesus would do the wrong thing. They grumble at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with the tax gatherers and the sinners? What are you doing with these people? You should not be with them. You should, you should resist them. You should not hang out around them. But look what Jesus said. Jesus answered and said, it's not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I've come to these people to call them to repentance. So his message to them was not, oh, listen, everyone else hates you, but you're all okay. He actually called them sick, needing a doctor. He called them sinners, needing saving. So he was not, it was not like this, I'm just going to tell you you're all okay. He said, you have a problem, but I'm here to tell you how to get healed and how to get whole, how to get saved. If you will do what the key word is, repent, turn away from what you've been doing and turn from your lifestyle, that way that you're doing things, and embrace me and follow me. But the Pharisees did not like this process. And so in chapter 15, tax gatherers and sinners coming around to listen to Jesus. And they began to grumble. So I'm back at verse 2 of chapter 15. And it says, this man receives the sinners and he eats with them. So Jesus told them these parables based on this. They, are, they say, we are so annoyed that you would... Receive these people. So I'm going to skip the sheep and the, the coin just for time. And we're going to go back to the two sons. So let's get the two sons up here to help us visualize it. Because some of you are not so good with the imagination now. You've got to see. You know, we've got to, we've got to have it. So I'm pretty sure Jesus did this. Get two disciples up. This one's the older son, the younger son. All right, so... I, it's pretty good. I need two sons. So I can see Nadir. He is my son. I was going to pick Josh, but he, he's on Superkid, so I need another son. So maybe Jordan can come be the other son. So 
Nadir and Jordan, come up here. Jordan, you're going to be the youngest son. And um, I'm going to give you a name. You are Pedro the pig farmer. Pedro the pig farmer. I call you Pete, but my name's Peter, so that's a little bit too close to the. And you can you stay there, Pedro. And you can come over here. This is the older son. Older, wiser, more sensible. And your name is Captain Cold Shoulder. <laughs> Captain Cold Shoulder. He knows how to give a cold shoulder. How many know what a cold shoulder is? I just gave you a cold shoulder. All right. Mm. Mm. So, Pedro and Captain are. Um, Pedro comes with his dad. So, come to the dad. I'll be the dad. I am actually Jay's dad, if anyone's running. I'm also sort of Nadir's dad by spirit. But I'm actually by birth. Um, so you come to me and you say, ah, oh, give me my share of estate. Now, the way this would work, because there's two sons in Jewish law, um, the oldest son gets two-thirds. He gets a double portion. So he would get two-thirds, because there's only three of them. Um, so that, oh, Sorry, there's a two of them. So he'd get two-thirds, you get one-third. If there was ten kids, let's make it easier. If there's nine kids, he get two-tenths, and all the rest would get one-tenth. You know I mean? So he gets a double what every other. So there's two of them. So you get two-thirds of the estate. It says he divided the estate between them. And he said, that's right, I'm getting my third, I don't care. But this was not a Jewish thing, like, oh, okay, Maybe in those days you could get your inheritance early. Like today, you don't get your inheritance early. When do you get your inheritance? When the dad dies. In Jewish days, you got your inheritance when your dad died. So to come and ask for your inheritance early is literally like saying, oh, I, wish, I wish you were dead. Can't you die a bit quicker? Do I have to wait till you're dead? Could you hurry it up? So the dad says, all right, you can have it now. It's like, now straight away, you've got to be like the Pharisees, all right? I'm sorry, but you are the critics. You are the critics watching this. The first thing you do is, uh, what a dumb dad. You know, seriously, you know, I was like, what is that dad doing? Just tell him, go get lost. In fact, you don't get to come and eat in a family home anymore. You know, you want me dead? You can, you can leave. But, so your first shock is, and everyone goes, oh! He gives him the money. Dumb dad. Anyway. And what's he do with this money? He say, don't do it, don't do it, because you, know, you all know what he's going to do. He's going to squander it, isn't he? He's not going to be wise with it. And they, dad gives him the money and go off and squander it. And you all go, I knew it. Yeah, exactly what I saw. Oh, turn to the person next to you. I knew that would happen. I knew that would happen. That is, uh, that is so obvious. The idiot has gone and squandered all the money with loose living. He's the prodigal. That's why he's the prodigal. What a... Now, give a little sniff. What a loser. That's what... Okay, you can actually say that in this context. What a loser. Well, no, so you're not compassionate. You're the critic. 
All right? He's not talking to the compassionate, but you're the critics. And so, many days, let me just read about what Luzer does. And many, not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. See, distant country, he's moved away from Jerusalem, from the land of Israel. This is a real idiot of a kid. This is his, you know, we're Jews. We don't, we, 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 you want to understand? What an idiot. And when he spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country. Yeah. So if he'd stayed in Jerusalem, he'll be all right. Stayed in, we're, we're good. He's gone to the wrong country and there's a famine there. Nod your head. Of course. It's all going to plan. Serves him right. And a severe famine occurred in that country and he began to be in need. Everybody, yeah. Serves him right. No compassion here. Okay, please. And he went and attached himself to one of the citizens. Yeah, that's me right. You have to go and sidle up to some foreigner. See, it's all terrible. What an idiot. And one of the citizens, and he sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. Oh! Okay, ladies faint, men Because, like, pigs are the un, they're really unclean. It's like the worst job. That'd be like he went to hold sewerage. You know, like it's, just like, it's just like, it's just the, oh, what is he? That is, like, it's worse because it's like a spiritually offensive thing. It's just like, oh, see, you've, you've ended up in the most offensive position ever. <sighs> Turn the person next to you and say, I could see that coming. Yeah, because he's just, what an idiot takes his inheritance, goes, what an idiot. And now he's hungry, and he's feeding the pigs, and he wishes, he's so hungry, he wishes he could have the pig food, but he can't because it's not even his food. He's, he wants the pig food. <sighs> well, can I just say, you say, serves him right. Okay, that's your attitude. Serves him right. And while he's there, He's longing to fill his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving him anything. Ha! Huh. He came to his senses, and he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I'm dying here with hunger? I will get up and go to my father, and I will say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. Okay. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. And he got up, came to his father. All right. Already there's a debate forming. The debate is, and they're turning to each other, should the father let him come back as a servant or should he turn him away? Should, you know, should he show compassion and let him at least come back? He's, you know, repented and he can maybe come back as a servant. And they'll say, no, listen, I think he blew it. He should just go and go back and try and eat his pig food. You know, it, there's the debate. It's like, da, da, da. You know, and this is where Jesus is going to come across and the next scene is going to shock them all because this is where they think the movie is heading. It's like, you know, when, 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 I, you know, you know, when you tell a joke, you, got, you take people on a line. You know, like there's a, there's a guy who worked at a computer store. He owned the computer store and, and a young guy came in and said, um, can I get a good computer for $3,000? He said, yes, you can get an excellent laptop for $3,000. He said, can I get a reasonable computer for $2,000? He said, yes, it won't be as good, but it'll be very good. He said, good. He said, my parents are giving me $3,000 to buy a laptop for uni. 
if I buy one for $2,000 and give you $100 cash, will you give me a receipt for $3,000? Sneaky, sneaky. Go back, say, I bought the computer, I get $900. And you... So this guy now has a moral dilemma, doesn't he? Does he share the $100 with his business partner? <laughs> okay, do you see how that worked? You already had, you, you worked out what the issue was. But it was another issue altogether. Not what you were thinking. It was, oh, I could go on. I do want to hear another one. But this is a cut across. <laughs> okay, like women. It's hard to understand sometimes women, isn't it, Graham? Oh, sorry, I don't want to get any of them in. Yeah. You, 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 make, you make a woman breakfast in bed, and instead of being grateful, all they say is, who are you and how do you get in the house? <laughs> All right? That's how it works. You, I got, you, you were not thinking that, were you? <laughs> I'd already made you think down a certain path and then cut across. This parable is designed to catch you critics. All right? We ca I caught you because you think the question is, should he be allowed to come back as a servant or not? Should he go, you know, he's already messed up his lives, hung around the pigs, that Pedro, the pig farmer, stay with the pigs because that's what he chose. Or do we show him a little bit of compassion because we're compassionate guys, us Pharisees and Sadducees. We're pretty compassionate. Should we let him come back? What should the, and they could debate, you know, and then talk and then argue, you know, you know, and probably some of you have never done that, gone to a movie, then debated. What should have happened? What shouldn't have happened? What could happen? What, or done part one of a two-part series and like, what's going to happen in part two? And, so this is where they're at. So let's see what the dad does. Does the dad say get lost or does the dad let him come back? And he got up and came to his father in verse 20. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and said, you know, they're all, get lost. You know, welcome here. What's he do? You know, like they're all waiting, waiting. And he does something which is really wrong. Felt compassion for him. Yeah. Ran. That's just so undignified. Father running, the head of the home running. What is wrong with this dad? You know, it's, it's cutting across there the whole way. This dad's, first he gives him the money. Now he runs to him. And then he feels, then he embraces him and kisses him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and, and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Okay, maybe this is redeemable. We can fix this story. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand. A ring, that, that's a sign of, of sonship, of being restored. You know, you go to town, you could buy stuff because you've got the ring. You, you do business on behalf of the family because you've got the ring. It's being restored. The best robe, not, not a good robe, not a clean robe, but the best. That means go to my wardrobe and get the best outfit because the best outfits in my home are going to be in my wardrobe. Go and get the best outfit of mine and bring it and put it on his shoulders. And put sandals on his feet. What's that all about? Slaves didn't wear sandals, but sons do. He is a son. He's not going to act like a slave. He's going to have my ring and my... 
The critics at this point are pretty upset. That is not how this should be handled. This is not how this should be handled. Jesus said, that's all right, I'm going to bring in a hero for you. You know how you're always like looking for the hero? Da, 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 da. Captain America. Cap yeah. In Australia, we have you know, Captain Kangaroo. We, you know, there's a, that's all right, there's a second son. He can be our hero. Captain Cold Shoulder. We've got Pedro the pig farmer. He, he is your hero. Come over, come over here. Just wave to your adoring fans. <laughs> Captain Cold Shoulder, he's coming. But just wait. He's not here yet, but he's coming. So the father says, bring the fatted calf. Kill it. Let's eat and be merry. Let's party. And for this son of mine was dead, come to life again. He was lost and has been found, and they began to be merry. They had to party. Now, his oldest son was in the field. Working. Not off. Yeah. Working hard. Not feeding the pigs. No pigs on this farm. And they don't even get him when they're having a party. You know, it's like the party's in full swing and they just leave him out in the field. <laughs> Have you ever realized that? Yeah, party's going. Oh, yeah, we have another son. <laughs> Captain Toldshoulder comes in. He summoned one of the servants and began inquiring, what's happening here? And they said, your brother's come back. What, Pedro the pig farmer? We've heard his reports. Your brother's come back. Your father's killed the fattened calf. What? That's, you don't just make a fattened calf. You've got to fatten the calf. All right, this is long-term strategy. And he's done. This is, we've, we've got plans for that fattened calf. Um, your brother's come, your father's killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But Captain Coldshoulder was angry, not willing to go in. Give him the cold shoulder. <sighs> yeah, finally someone who's behaving properly in this thing, right? You know, everybody's like, <sighs> we thought there was no hero. <laughs> but Captain Coldshoulder come to our rescue. Because to everyone in the audience, Captain Coldshoulder was them. This is Jesus. Jesus is like setting you up big time. Not the father. They can't relate to the father. Certainly can't relate to Pedro the pig farmer. <gasps> They're way too holy for that. We're, we're exceptionally good. But this guy, we can relate to. And um, so the father comes out and says, come on in, come on in. And he says, Dad, I've got a few things to say. Look, for so many years, I've been serving you. I've never neglected a command of yours. You've never even given me a kid, a little, not, 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 not a child, all right? 
baby goat. Never even give me a baby goat that I might be merry with my friends. I'm not up there with the pig farm. But when this, not my brother, but when this son of yours, lovely phrase, when this son of yours came, he who has devoured your wealth with harlots, woo, you kill the fatted calf for him. We understand. I understand. This is, this is how it should be. Hold child. Do you remember? Because remember what the start was. It says they, came, they, they were upset. They were grumbling because Jesus received the sinners. He didn't give them the cold shoulder. He received them. Cold shoulder is the way to behave. Remember in Luke chapter 5 when we'd gone back a little bit earlier. It says they came and they were complaining to the disciples about what? They said, what are you doing eating with these people? You need to be like this. Let's be fair. I'm not against him coming back and repenting. See, they weren't against that. So he should. You should repent, sorry little thing. Terrible what you've done. You should be sorry. But I know how movies end. And I'm going to tell the great movie writer how he should treat this guy. And that is, let him become a servant and let him work off his debts that he's... And it'll you know, be many lifetimes. He would, there's no way. I'm just going to let him live as a servant. Stay in your pig clothes. You are in the house, but you're a pig farmer in the house. And you can just work the fields as a servant. When we have family dinners, you won't be there because you'll be with the servants here. We've got this. I know how this works. I know how this works. All right? But that sounds really harsh and because we're all full of grace and love, we, we, we're good with that. But the problem with me is when I used to read this story, I sort of felt sorry for some of the attitudes in the older son. Being left in the field when the party had started. Father had never thrown him a party, not even with a small baby goat. Mr. Wasteful Pig Farming Boy gets a party. Okay, I can understand if I get the party and he gets a little party. <laughs> I'm the loyal son. I didn't leave. I didn't take my two-thirds and go and blow it on harlots. It's all here. The money's still here. That's why we still got the farm, people. Just realize, because he didn't take his inheritance and blow it. The father's still living in the house. If you divide something, father's penniless. But the older son says, I'm not doing that, Dad. Dad, you're still in here instead of how I'm, I'm going to effectively wait to get mine on. What a good boy. So I'm like, I, 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 I'm not, it's not, I'm, I don't have lack of sympathy. And that bothered me that I had sympathies for the wrong character. <laughs> I didn't like the cold shoulder bit, but I could understand the offense. You hear that? I could understand the offense. The danger was that means that I had an affinity with the offense. And the danger could be that I would still be carrying some of that offense around to, to God's movies. 
I'm in his movie. Am I still a little bit upset with the master movie maker? So I had to stop and say, God, help me with this because I'm in real trouble. So let's look at the, how the father looks. Verse 30. When he's, I'm sorry, verse 31. And when, and then the father said to him, oh, my child, oh, you've always been with me. And everything that's with is mine is yours. In other words, you didn't need me to throw you a party. That fatter calf was yours. You could have had him any time. Why are you waiting for me to throw you a party? Why don't you call me and say, Dad, I'm having a party to celebrate this amazing family I'm in, this amazing father that I have, and I'm having a good time, and I'm going to use this, and I'm going to do this. Instead, you, 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 you're a son, but you think like a servant. You're mad that I brought him back and made him a son because you want him to come back because you like to be servant-minded and you want him to be a lower servant than you. And this is the part that got me. Jesus said, we, the Father said, verse 32, we had to be merry and rejoice. This was the whole point of the three stories. He said it is, it is actually natural and normal. It's not a shock to rejoice at this. And I had to keep changing my thinking until it was quite normal to behave like this, and that was not normal. I had to keep changing the way I was thinking until I said, you're not normal. You don't behave right. That is not a healthy attitude. That's a terrible, that's a stinking attitude. I've, and, I, 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 and I'm working on it, but I've gone quite a distance. I no longer can relate to the older son as much. I don't feel sorry for him. I don't feel an affinity with him because... His brother was dead, effectively, and has come back. It's normal to celebrate, boy. It's normal to praise the Lord. It's normal to have a... It's normal to get in there and have a party. Now, this is what... Because this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live. He was lost and he's been found. And this is what the key part to me was. Pedro, the pig farmer, comes in. He's got a coat on and a ring and sandals. And there's a party happening and they're dancing. Because I loved it when, they, when he said the, the, the he could hear, he could, he could hear the, the music and the dancing. Wow. You know, that, 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 they did Irish dancing. Because <laughs> he could hear it from the field. <laughs> could hear, hear the dancing from the field. I think he just meant the other thing. I know they didn't do Irish dancing. But they're dancing, and they're knocking the furniture, and they're running around, and then they're doing it in the circle. All, it's, the fatted calf means you are having a big party. You have to invite a lot of people to feed that, you know, to use that. Otherwise, you get a small goat or something stupid. He got, he's having like the big feast. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of dance. There's a lot of celebration. And Pedro's in there, and he's got the coat, and he's got the sandals, and he's got the ring, and he's looking at his dad, and he's looking at all the people, but there's one person he's scared to see. <laughs> Captain Cold Shoulder. What's he going to say when I'm, he sees me? What's Captain Cold Shoulder going to say? Because Captain Cold Shoulder could do that old joke like the parrot. He'd get another joke, three jokes in one sermon. Remember the parrot in the hardware store? 
the guy had a parrot, talking parrot, and um, people would come in and talk. Anyway, this guy comes in, the parrot looks and he goes, you're ugly, you're ugly, you're ugly. And the guy's incensed. He says, tell your parrot to stop. I said, shut up, parrot. Goes, you're ugly, you're ugly. And the guy grabs the owner, because you don't grab the parrot. He says, I'm going to go look around this store, come back and buy stuff. If he says I'm ugly, I'm going to punch you. So the guy goes, look around the store, gets the parrot and says, you must not say he's ugly. You must, you know, I don't know how you negotiate with a parrot, but anyway, he does it. So then they come back, and then there's the tension. He's serving, the item's coming through, but the parrot is looking at the guy, and the guy is looking at the parrot. Doesn't say anything. Pays for the stuff, and as he's walking past, the parrot goes, you know. <laughs> Sometimes you don't have to say anything. <laughs> Look at the person next to you. You know. <laughs> he is concerned that inside he's still a pig farmer. He knows what he's done. He came back with the plan. He agreed with the older brother. I'll come back and I'll do the servant thing. He and, he and the older brother are thinking the same. Do you understand that? He had a plan. He had a plan that would have worked with the older brother. They're, they're, in, they're thinking the same. It's the father that says no to that plan, not the son. The son didn't come up with the plan. The father did. So he's in the party, but underneath he has that tension. I ought not be here. And they're all being happy, but there's one person I know when he walks in, he's going to see through this all. He's going to look at me and go, you know. What are you doing here? Get down and earn your way back into this position. I'll tell you the role of the second son, the oldest son. He is to give confidence to the younger son that he's doing exactly the right thing by celebrating and being a son. He will give him the confidence. But if he gives him the cold shoulder, it will cut his confidence and he will be a son but always nervous because what should I be doing? I shouldn't be doing this. When people come into the kingdom of God and they come out of the pigs, they come from whatever they're doing, you have a role. You have a role to work to what they're thinking underneath because we tell them Jesus has forgiven you. Jesus has gone to the cross. His resurrection has given you life. And they go, and they look over at you, the oldest son, the one who's been in it a bit longer. And if you look and go, yeah, I know what the pastor said, but you know, and I know, you need to work your way up to where I am in this place. Because they will think it. They'll be wondering. They'll hear it from the ahead, but then they'll see it. Your job is to get your thinking attitude right and sort through, if this offends you, deal with it, because then you're on the wrong side of the, 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 the movie. Do you understand? If you, if you, can, if you if that, if you're like me and you're like, I can see myself in that, that's danger. Danger, Will Robinson, you know, the old, anyway. 
What should the oldest son be doing? And this is the part that got me. Remember what Jesus said? Verse 32. But we had to. It was necessary to be merry. We had to be merry. Because our whole attitude is they have been rescued, they have been made alive, they have been restored. We had to be merry. What difference would have made if he gets out there and he's, what's that? There's a party? What? Your brother's back. Listen to the servant's report. It's quite a positive report. It doesn't expect him to be um, offended. He said, um, your brother has come back. Your father has killed the fattened calf because he's received him back safe and sound. No offense in that statement. It's a positive, good, healthy statement. He takes it and interprets it with the offense. The servant has come. So at that moment, what's in his heart's going to flow out. What should happen is, get rid of Captain Cold Shoulder. Captain Courageous. Captain Confidence. Says, what? He's back! Woohoo! Go on! Yeah. Hey, hey. I did a lot better than you did in that one, all right? <laughs> but that's all right, because this is a movie. We do a take two, all right? <laughs> Father and son celebrating, take two. What? He's back! He's back. Yeah! Let's go! Woo! And he finds the dance, and he gets in the middle. Da -da -da -da, you know, the Jewish dance. But no, can I say, and he's looking around. He's looking for the brother. And where's the brother? Where's the younger brother? No, Pedro's over here. Pedro's over here. He's been a bit nervous to get in the dance because he's been waiting for his brother to come. And he's just been a bit hesitant, you know, because he doesn't want the, you know. But when he sees Captain Confidence, yeah, he's looking around. He goes, hey, bro, you're back. Woo! And then brings him into the dance. <laughs> brings him into the dance. That's your job. That's your job. Tell them, hey, we need some stuff down at the, the store. You got the ring? Go get it. Hey, boy. We're out of food. Go down to the local granary. Get what you need. You got the ring. Everything you need. Hey, bro, you're going to have a party this weekend? Well, I'm not sure. Why not? Just arrange it. That's what we do in the family. Oh, this is what we do. Now, this all, I understand this all works with the fact. It's got, that's why Jesus called them to repentance. It's no good if he's spending the weekends back at the pig farm. <laughs> do you understand? I'm not giving license to, the, to go back to the pig slop. But you said, I have sinned before my Father and heaven. I've come back. And that, that gives the license. Notice what Jesus said in each one of the, um, the end of the, each, the final line of each sermon, each parable. Verse 7, 
This is the um, sheep. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sin. See, up in heaven, they get it. Some people are not going to be happy in heaven. They think they will. But when they get up to heaven, they're playing different movies and they don't, you know. Do you know what I mean? The, the, the older brother syndrome is not liked in heaven. Heaven's all good about this. You're getting in alignment with the Father and all of heaven. I tell you, then there's be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance, who repents. Verse 10, same way I tell you, there's joy regarding the coin, joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So we understand it's repentance. We're not minimizing, but repentance gets you right back and God gives you a, a sonship. And then he says, come, come. And, and when you've been in it about two or three years and you've got your life all totally sorted out, then we'll have a party. He says, let's start the dance. Let's start to celebrate. Let's praise him. Let's give him celebration. And the older son needs to be leading the dance. All right? We lead the dance and show them how cool it is to be in the father's house. And you say, you know what? I was a pig farmer once too. You wouldn't know it by my coat. You wouldn't know it by my ring. You wouldn't know it by my shoes. But I was one. We don't talk about it because it doesn't define me. We don't go into all the details. But I was a pig farmer. I know what it's like. Come on. Let's enjoy the Father's house. That's our role. Hallelujah. Don't be like the parrot. You know. Grumpy bottom in the back row. I've been serving here for 47 years. No one's ever put me up the front. And how come the new guys get all the healings? <laughs> how come the new guys get all the answers to prayer? I've been serving you faithfully. Maybe because they haven't let their faith dry up. <laughs> it's fresh and it's new. Yeah, but you know what they need help with? This is whatever, you know, new, new believers, they've got big faith often. But you know what they haven't had to mix it with yet? Patience. Because they never had to have patience because they get every answer. Everything's just happening. You've got to come and say, come on, I'll dance with you and I'll show you how to do this with patience. Not cynicism and not like, I'll explain to you why your prayers aren't always answered. No! I'll tell you why prayers are answered. But you're going to need help to be able to work this thing through. You're going to have to know how to order a fatted calf party. You're going to have to know how to run the farm because you've been off and with things that you don't know how to run a farm. But I can show you. Yeah. So let's do this together and let's celebrate. Hallelujah. So we have a song. They're going to lead us in. This is your chance to join the party. Now, do you want to know the amazing thing was? And we have a, a, a team breakthrough chat that is particularly dealing with you know, things to do with the services and things like that. Caleb put in a, a, a thing a few weeks ago, or a couple of weeks ago, I'm not sure when, leading up to Easter saying, and I saw it came in, but I hadn't had a chance to read it. And I knew it was just something about an idea for Easter. And, but while that was in there, I'm like, I'm praying, and this message came to me, and, and then the Lord said, preach this Easter Sunday. All right, I got this message a few weeks back, you know, that preach it Easter Sunday. I said, okay, I hadn't thought of that. You know, it's not Easter, Jesus on the cross, but it's the effect of the cross. I can go with that. 
I opened up the message and Caleb said, there's a song that God's put on my heart. He says, I believe we need to learn it and sing it. It's called The Robe and the Ring. <laughs> Sorry? The Ring and the Robe. That's all right. But guess what it's about? The prodigal son. And I'm like, I say amen to that. So come and stand up. And let's do some Irish dancing. Kate, I'll let you lead it. This is a song that lends itself to some Irish dancing, if you can.